The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. This final show of 2021 on this December 31st is presented by Window Nation. Go to windownation.com or call them at 866-90-NATION. Mention my name. You've got one more day to get 50% off all styles of windows, and you can get a house full of windows for just $99. Great product, great price, great people to work with. Mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. You can shop it if you want after you get that estimate, but... Take advantage of this offer here that ends today, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. One guest on the show today, Reuben Frank, who covers the Eagles for CSN Philadelphia, will be our guest. Got a smell test a little bit later on uh, in the show. I start with this quote from Russell Wilson yesterday, the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle will play their final home game of the season on Sunday against Detroit. And the question being asked, Russell Wilson and others, do you think it will be your last home game as a Seattle Seahawk? And he said, quote, I know for me personally, I hope it's not my last game in Seattle. But at the same time, I know it won't be my last game in the NFL. Closed quote. That's the one out of the big names that might be available, the Deshaun Watsons, the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilsons, that's the one that maybe Washington could attract. And the only reason I say that is because he grew up in Richmond and it's on the East Coast. It's not a small town. You know, I think he and his lovely wife would love to be in L.A. or New York, I'm sure. Um, But if they can't be there, would Washington be, you know, a poor runner-up prize? I I don't know, and I'm probably wishful thinking here. But it does sound like Seattle's going to have a lot of change in the offseason. Pete Carroll, you know, Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson – seems like a big breakup of that roster and that team as we've known it now for you know nearly 10 years is on the verge of being dismantled. I wonder, I wonder if Russell Wilson would be interested interested in Washington. Remember back when they were talking potential trade, he had a list and Washington wasn't on it. So, we'll see. Uh, it certainly sounded from Russell Wilson yesterday like a guy that potentially will not be in Seattle uh, next year. Uh, anyway, uh, big game Sunday between Washington and Philadelphia. I like Washington to win the game outright 27-24. to 24. There it is. Uh, I'm not waiting until the end to give you my prediction on the game. 27-24, Washington outright. And I think on Monday they will still be alive for the postseason because I don't see Atlanta beating Buffalo. And that's what would have to happen is San Francisco, New Orleans, and Atlanta would all have to win if Washington wins for Washington to be eliminated. And I don't see Atlanta beating Buffalo in Buffalo on Sunday. And then we will get down to a situation, depending on what happens in the Sunday night game between Minnesota and Green Bay, 
where the chance of them getting there won't seem like it's that much of a long shot. But they've got to get to Monday first. And getting to Monday means beating Philadelphia. So how do you do that? You know, how do you beat a team that's won six of its last eight? How do you beat a team that has totally dominated at the line of scrimmage, offensively in particular, as they've become the number one rush offense in the NFL? You don't look at the game a week ago Tuesday. There isn't a whole hell of a lot from that game that will play out the same way on Sunday. Defensively, maybe, but your defensive players didn't really practice much. And you had Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. You know, this was a team that was really in disarray because of all of the COVID tests, 25 players at one point. As we've learned now, two players who were sick, and they were both quarterbacks. Kyle Allen said he was really sick for four to five days. Taylor Heineke said he was sick. Kyle Allen said that he didn't begin to feel better until just the other day which meant that he played Sunday night against the Cowboys at less than 100%. And I would probably guess that was the same with Taylor Heineke as well. Uh, But Washington was a mess for that Philadelphia game. Not so much defensively, but remember, even though they had some of their defensive players back, they had injuries during the game to their defense, and they hadn't practiced together a lot leading up to that game. I had Ron Rivera on the radio show, as I do every Friday at 8 a.m., and I asked him about just practices, and he said this is by far and away, yesterday meaning, was the most normal day that they've had in several weeks. So even though they had several of their players back for the Philadelphia game, bottom line is they weren't prepared for that game, and they had Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. Um, So you really can't learn much about you know, uh, the matchup Sunday from the game that they just played. I think Washington beats Philadelphia if they run the football. Antonio Gibson is iffy for Sunday. They really need him. If not, I'm going to make a prediction right now that Jarrett Patterson will be a part, certainly, of the run game, but that Jonathan Williams, number 35, you've seen him a couple of times here, Uh, in a Washington uniform. He was on the practice squad. Uh, He had a carry, three carries for nine yards against the Cowboys. Um, His game uh, a few weeks ago against the Cowboys, he had four carries for 16 yards on that drive that made it 27-14 to before they got the pick six from from Holcomb. Uh, He also had a catch for 19 yards in that game. I think they like... Williams and what they've seen from Williams. If Antonio Gibson can't go, I would bet you that Williams ends up with at least as many carries and touches as Jarrett Patterson. Just, it's a hunch. I asked Ron, he said he likes Williams a lot. They like Williams a lot. They love his power. They love his vision. Um, But they need to run the football Sunday. And the best way to run the football would be to have Antonio Gibson. Now they're going to have uh, a, a right tackle, a, a different right tackle again, Sam Cosme on the COVID list, Tress Way on the COVID list, um, also uh, uh, Kyle Shermer, the practice squad quarterback, to the COVID list as well. So Washington's COVID issues are not done. But Taylor Heineke is going to start the game. I think we have a pretty good sense of that now. And if they don't run the football, it's going to be a disaster offensively. I think we've learned a lot about Taylor Heineke through 14 and a half games, I guess. Um, We've learned he's a great competitor. We've learned he's a really good athlete. He can really make some plays, you know, and if everything's on schedule, you know, he can manage an offense. But like a lot of quarterbacks, to be fair, um, if you put the pressure on him to drop back and throw the football, it's not going to go well. So the best way to take the pressure off him and to ensure that he doesn't have to drop back from the pocket on third and 10 and make plays is you've got to be able to run the football. 
That's number one. Number two, given what they gave up in their last game, 238 yards on the ground, 519 yards overall. But again, I don't take much from that game, but I do take a lot from a lot of Philadelphia's games this year, especially over the last two months. They can run the football. Now, no uh, Miles Sanders is huge. If Jordan Howard, who was limited in practice, is limited for the game, that would be massive for Washington. Boston Scott, still pretty good. Um, And Jalen Hurts, obviously, a really good runner. But they've got to do a much better job at stopping the run uh, on Sunday. Run the ball, stop the run. Sounds like, you know, a formula, an old adage formula. Very cliche, maybe. I can throw in the win the turnover battle and we're in great shape. But in this particular game, you have to run it. You're not going to be able to drop back and throw it. And you've got to stop them from running it and put the pressure on Hertz and put the pressure on Hertz to make plays from the pocket. Um, Also, you got to protect Heineke. Like when he does drop back, hopefully it's in good down and distance situations or, you know, if they can get five yards on a first down run, they can go play action and give him some time and, you know, have some people open. But you've got to protect him. He has taken a pounding the last few weeks. I also think it's really important that they get a lead um, in this game or certainly the game stays within reach. You're not coming back with Heineke. And by the way, if they get behind, you're you're probably going to see Kyle Allen anyway. Um, But keep the, you know, get a lead, which they did in Philadelphia. Remember, they had a 10-0 lead in the first quarter. Um, But it's really important Sunday that this game stay close. I think that, you know, all of their wins, with the exception of the Atlanta game, they were within a score, either up a score or down a score. Against Tampa, they were actually up two scores. You know, that was the biggest lead they've had in any game this year, 13 points against Tampa. Um, also, I've mentioned this several times the last few weeks, I want to see DeAndre Carter with more touches. You know, I know that they tried to get him the ball a couple of times in the game on Sunday against the Cowboys. He had that one, you know, carry for 15 yards. Um, he, you know, uh, seemed more interested in trying to return punts I don't want to see the the kickoffs, and hopefully there aren't a lot of them. I don't want to see the kickoffs falling a yard deep in the end zone with him putting his his hands up in the air saying, we'll take it at the 25. I want to see Carter get five to six touches Sunday, uh, you know, offense and special teams combined. A lot of you would say, well, don't doesn't Terry McLaurin have to touch the ball more? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that goes without saying. But you can't tell Taylor to force it because he's not accurate enough and he's not I, – I don't – you know, they forced it on a first and 10 deep shot. Not that that was a force. I, don't, I didn't mind the call, but the throw wasn't good enough. Taylor's got to throw to wide open people. And if he's not throwing to wide open people, he's got to throw, you know, those lob passes into corners where only his guy's got a chance. You know, forcing the ball to a guy like Terry in the middle of the field, I think would turn out to be more of a problem than a benefit. Last thing, because I mentioned it last week, I think I did. Um, I know I mentioned the issues that I thought they were having in punt protection against the Eagles on that Tuesday night. Well, the Cowboys got one and scored on one. You know, a big special teams play could be the difference. They've got to shore up their punt protection, and you're gonna have new you're gonna have a new punter on Sunday. Stop the run, run the ball, protect Heineke, get a lead, Carter with more touches, punt protection. I like their chances Sunday, man. I really do. They're having a normal week of practice. Yes, there are more COVID issues, and things could change drastically between now and Sunday. I mean, this is the unknown now in the NFL. Who's going to actually be available to play the game? But it really sets up, you know, typical NFL got blown out, the other team won big, and the other team's only laying three in a game they have to have. I like Washington's chances Sunday. I really do like their chances on Sunday. Um, I'll have a smell test later on in the show. Again, the prediction is 27-24 Washington. I did want to mention real quickly in this opening segment, 
uh, that Bradley Beal was great last night in his first game back for the Wizards. They beat the Cavs 110-93. He had 29 points, 10 assists, shot it well, protected the ball, made great decisions, was really unstoppable. First game back for him in 12 days. By the way, he got vaccinated. Um, he was asked why he decided to get vaccinated. He said family Um, He was really good last night against a Cleveland team that's been outstanding all year long, but they were playing their first game without Ricky Rubio at point guard, and Rubio had been fantastic for them, uh, leading them to the record that they have. They're five games above 500, but that was a good win for the Wizards last night. You know, they stay uh, above 500. You know, with all of their issues since that 10 and 3 start, they still have not dipped below the 500 mark, and they played and won some games at the end of that road trip right before Christmas at Utah and at New York that they were underdogs in. Um, So good for them. They've got three home games, including the Red Hot Bulls tomorrow night. Uh, But that was a good win last night, and I just thought Beal probably had one of the better games he's had all year long and one of the cleaner games he's had all year long. Um, Thought he was outstanding. 29 points, 10 assists in 34 minutes last night in a blowout win over Cleveland. Also, good job by Maryland to come back against Brown. A pretty feisty Ivy League team. They've been tough this year against some pretty good opponents. Maryland was down at halftime. It seems like they're down at halftime in every one of these games. Uh, They came back with a big explosive second half, outscored Brown 46-28. to And Eric Ayala was really good again. Three straight games where he's been outstanding. I love how crafty he is. You know, he's 6'5". He's longer than you think. He's stronger than you think. He's not super explosive, um, but he's got a crafty way of of getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. Uh, But that's Danny Manning and Maryland's third straight win, you know, included in there was a win over a ranked Florida team. Uh, but uh, on Monday night starts the real, uh, the real part of their schedule. Um, they play Iowa next week and Illinois, both of those games on the road uh, next week um, as they really get into their Big Ten schedule. Remember, they're, they're 0-1 in the Big Ten because they lost to Northwestern in their Big Ten opener. But next week, Iowa, Illinois on the road, not easy. And then they come home against ranked Wisconsin. Uh, the Big Ten's brutal, although Michigan lost to UCF last night. In the Big Ten, it's been a weird year. Purdue's excellent. It, it, they're very good. They are a national championship caliber team. Michigan State's played very well so far. Michigan really hasn't. What a disappointing season so far for Michigan uh, basketball. All right, up next, Ruben Frank from CSN Philadelphia. will get an update on the Eagles, and then we'll finish the show with a smell test and with predictions on the college football semifinal games today. Uh, That's right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, it helps us out a lot. doesn't cost you a thing. Also, rate us and review us on Spotify and Apple when you get a chance. Ruben Frank covers the Eagles and has been for a while for NBC Sports of Philadelphia. Um, and 
you know, this is the second time, Ruben, in, you know, 10, 11 days that they'll be playing. Garrett Gilbert started a quarterback at the link um, in that game a week ago, Tuesday night. What are you guys expecting from Washington? I'm just curious. I mean, that game was a little bit closer than maybe you had anticipated uh, a week ago, Tuesday night. What's Philly anticipating this week with Washington for a second time? Well, we know Ron Rivera. He was here for for five years under Andy Reid, and we know that any Ron Rivera team is going to be ready uh, and and prepared and go out and and play hard. And uh, you know, I, I think you kind of ignore the first game. Washington was missing not only Heineke but a bunch of other players, and you know, you ignore the Dallas score. You know, those those games happen. Uh, I don't think they, um, you know, mean anything the following week. It's it's kind of a nonlinear. You know, league anything can happen. So I, I think you know it's it's a it's always tough playing down in, in Landover, and you know the, the Eagles have had big success down there. And I, I think with what's at stake, um, they're taking this as Washington is. You know, this is a team that not too long ago had won four straight, and you know was was one of the hotter teams in the league. So I think that's the team the Eagles are expecting. That's the team the Eagles are anticipating, and and that's the team they're preparing for. Full strength and come out and play hard for 60 minutes. I mean, that D-line is still formidable, and, you know, Eagles are not at full strength in in, in their strongest aspect, which is running the ball. So uh, I don't think anybody expects anything to come easily Sunday. I want to talk about the the health of the running backs here in a moment. I, I think it's interesting. The the it's not a non linear league. I, I've spent so much time talking about how this is like the typical NFL. You know, one team gets run out of the building fifty six to fourteen. The other team's on a roll and really needs it badly, and yet Philadelphia is only a three point favorite. I, I think the game reeks a little bit, and I actually like Washington's chances, even though I think Philadelphia is a better team. You know, the one thing you. Do did say it's never it hasn't really been a home field advantage for Washington and you you are of an age that you remember when it used to be a big deal down here and how difficult it was to play way back in the day at RFK but I would expect there there to be at least 50 percent if not more Philadelphia fans um, at FedEx on on Sunday for this one I've been so impressed personally watching the turnaround of the Eagles. And for me, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong or add to it, they've got a dominant offensive line. I mean, the backs are really good, and they're going to be missing Miles Sanders, but that offensive line has been as good as any in the league. True or not? Yeah, I think that's true. And I'll just um, go back to what you were just saying real quick about RFK. I loved RFK Stadium so much. I love. I mean, the the sight lines were amazing. It was, you know, the press box was open air, and you would walk across those catwalks over the over the over the yeah. um, stands to get to the press box, and um, it was a great atmosphere. You know, we parked like a mile away from the stadium and just walking through on a Sunday morning, you know, through the tailgaters and everything. I, I just I loved going. I mean, I didn't like the drive and trying to get out of that place because I could never find an exit that was open. Uh, from the from the parking lot, but that was one of my favorite stadiums, one of my favorite old stadiums. But anyway, yes, the, the O line um, has been the, the real strength of the team, and um, it really kind of changed when the rookie Landon Dickerson uh, started playing left guard uh, week four. And he, other than he, he missed one game uh, when he was on the COVID list, but other than that, I mean, this O line's been tremendous. Um, they've run the ball with different backs. They've run the ball with different quarterbacks. They've run the ball. They've even had like four different right guards, and and they've run the ball, no matter who's out there. And you know you have you have three all pro caliber guys at center, uh, you know left tackle and left guard, and and really right tackle too when Lane Johnson is back. Uh, and they are um, they're the real strength of the team. It's it's you know when they when they kind of moved and became a running team, that's when they took off and six and two since then. So. Um, it's it's uh, it's been something to watch. Not only are they all talented individually, they play play really well together, and they have, I think, the world's best O line coach in Jeff Stalin, who's been here under Chip Kelly, under Doug Peterson, now under uh, under Nick. So um, this team is going to go as far as the O line takes them. There's no doubt about it. But they they are missing. You know, we don't even know if Jordan Howard's going to play. So they could be down to their third running back, and that that's you know. We'll see. It's going to be the ultimate challenge for for that O line if they can get the running game going without Miles, possibly without Jordan Howard. 
And if if Howard, you know, and I, I mentioned it, Howard, you know, uh, limited in practice yesterday. Uh, it'll be Boston Scott, and he's actually been pretty good. I, I know he had that that big time fumble at the end of the Giant game in the Meadowlands that really hurt. Um, but he's, you know, he averages four and a half yards per carry. I mean, it, it's not it's not Miles Sanders, and it's maybe not Jordan Howard, but it's not that far off, right or wrong. Yeah, and, and Boston is a you know he's he's a good little player. The thing about Boston is he's had his his best success when he's been you know the the change of pace guy. Right. When when Miles is getting all the carries and then Boston comes in for a series or or Jordan uh, gets all the carries and Boston. So he's not the ideal guy that you want you know to be your number one guy. Twenty carries, you know that that kind of thing. But oh, he's great at the goal line. I think he's one of the better goal line runners in the league because he's he's got that. Uh, low center of gravity. He's got great vision, uh, and, and he's tough. You know, and the first guy never brings him down. So he's a, he's a good functional back, but it is it is a significant step down from Jordan or Miles. I just I just pulled this up. I, you guys signed Carryon Johnson to your practice squad this week. Yeah, and he was in training camp with the Eagles, uh, and and wasn't bad. They just didn't have a spot for him, so um, they brought him back and. Uh, I think he would be kind of an emergency, but he knows the offense because he was here all summer, and uh, he's healthy because he hasn't played this year, so he, he is on the roster. Yeah, um, that um, that 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 draft that year, Washington was going to take him in the second round, um, and uh, and he, uh, he D- Detroit selected him before, so Washington ended up trading back. Um, uh, later in that round, but I always loved him as a back, but he's just never been able to, you know, he's never stayed healthy. That's really been his big issue um, more than anything else is, is the, uh, is the health. Uh, it's just, it hasn't been there. Um, Darius, he had a great rookie year for, for Detroit. Right, I mean, yeah. he broke all of Barry Sanders rookie records. He just hasn't, hasn't been able to follow it up. Yeah. Washington was going to take him. Detroit took him. Washington trades back and they, they selected Darius Geis and typical of our franchise, you know, they act like they stole him at the end of the second round. Well, clearly there were red flags all over him, uh, that old Dan and Bruce, uh, weren't paying attention to, uh, typical of the group down here. Um, so, I'm I'm curious as to whether or not like Jalen Hurts obviously has played great at times as a runner, as a scrambler, as a designed runner, as a read option runner. You know, there's a lot of RPO in their game. We see, we see that, um, and yet when Minshew came in against the Jets, he played great. You know, a few weeks ago, are people sold on Jalen Hurts not just for the present but for the future yet or not? Well, it depends. Uh, it depends who you ask, and it's it's kind of funny how all the all the fans that were loyal to Carson Wentz um, refuse to acknowledge anything good that Jalen does, and all the fans that are loyal to Jalen refuse to acknowledge any of his shortcomings. So it's <laughs> it's uh, it, it's quite the quite the drama up here. But um, he's done a lot of good things, and and there's still concerns. I think I think these next few games, a few if if they get in the playoffs too if they don't but i think we'll learn a lot you know this is when you learn about a young quarterback oh the down the stretch uh playoff a run you know trying to get in um these are big games road you know on the road division opponent uh this is where you learn about a young kid and um i don't know i think everything kind of points to him being back next year just because i don't think there's going to be any other realistic options so there's you know where they're picking in the draft now i mean I did my first mock draft back in October, and they were picking like they're picking like three, seven, and eleven, right. and now they're like twenty, twenty-three, and twenty-four because the Colts keep winning and Miami keeps winning and they keep winning. So um, you're not going to get a quarterback there, and uh, you know that they have an opportunity to to really with three first-round picks, even if they're in the twenties, to really improve the roster around him on both sides of the ball. Come back with him next year. If he improves as much next year as he did from last year to this year, then you really have something. I mean, he's 23. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, I believe the number, I think he's got the 19th most touchdowns if you add up passing and, and rushing ever by a quarterback in his first 18 starts. Um, he, he's reduced his turnovers. He's been better in the pocket. He's thrown the ball better. He's smarter when he runs and how he runs. Um, so I think he's trending the right way. 
Um, you know, the Eagles have never, the youngest quarterback, the Eagles, whoever took the Eagles to the playoffs was Donovan McNabb, noted former Washington player, but uh, he was 24. So Don, if, if, you know, if, if the Eagles beat Washington and the Packers beat Minnesota, you know, Jalen Hurts is the youngest quarterback ever to take the Eagles to the postseason. So to me, that's really how you evaluate quarterbacks when, when the games mean the most, the stakes are the highest, and, um, you know, the, the lights are the brightest. Let's see how he responds. I think we'll learn a lot about him uh, these next couple of weeks. You know, I thought going into this season, because, you know, during the uh, summer you start talking about the quarterback situations with all the teams in the division, and I thought he had played really well at the end of last year. The Arizona game in particular, I remember, was a game yeah. that was on TV here, and they didn't win the game, but he played exceptionally well. The one thing, you know, the the one observation from afar, and he, he was the same way at Oklahoma and, and the same way at Bama is that he's so casual at times. Like, he's just such a laid-back, cool, um, calm guy, but he gets very casual sometimes with the ball. I mean, we saw it in the game, you know, uh, nine, ten days ago. In the red zone, he gets hit from behind, and, you know, he he will cough it up on occasion, and sometimes it's probably frustrating, right, for you guys because it seems like it should be easier for him to protect the ball. Yeah, and he's done a lot better this year than last year. I think his fumbles are are down in like in half, obviously, and a lot more playing time. So uh, that's yeah. But that I mean, the, the last couple games he's had he's had bad fumbles, and you know I think part of it is his ankle isn't a hundred percent. You know, he got hurt in that um, you know that Giants game and the first Giants game, and um, he's gotten better, but he's not a hundred percent. You don't see him running like he did early in the season. Uh, so I think when he can't move, um, that's when he's kind of more susceptible to giving up the ball. He just can't outrun linebackers right now. So um, it, it's a concern. And uh, but you're right. I mean, his, he is he is so chill, as as the kids say today, and so laid back. Uh, and sometimes it's easy to mistake that for uh, you know not I don't know not being a hundred percent you know playing hard. I mean, but he does. I mean, the guy's he's yeah. very tough. Um, very, you know, very physically tough kid, and he's just he is he is so even keel. And every everybody talks about well, I try to stay even keel. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I think a lot of it has to do with you know the guys that come out of Alabama, and he didn't. I mean, he did finish at Oklahoma, but he's an Alabama guy. I mean, he that's where he learned how to act the way he acts. And you know, usually you see these guys, and they are they're all like that. I mean, they they end up like. Um, you know, just the, the same personality, the same approach, the same even keel. And um, that's why I think he has a chance to play well in big games because he, he literally, I mean, he literally takes it play by play and everything that happened before doesn't, doesn't bother him. Whatever's coming up ahead, he doesn't think about it. He's one of the more focused young kids I've, I've ever seen. Do you see our two Bama guys Sunday night on the sidelines swinging at each other? John Allen, Durante. yeah, yeah, that was, um, but anyway, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, John is is really um, a guy that's you know f- first class guy uh, all the way around. Um, all right. Uh, by the way, your comment about RFK, it's funny because you know whether it's Brad Sham or Merrill Reese, you know, all these guys have come on my radio show for years, and it always tends to devolve into a conversation about you know, RFK and what happened to your franchise. And, and it's sad because, you know, like Merrill hates FedEx more than anybody. I know it's so Can't stand it. And he can't stand the way the PR people handle it, you know, for, for, for Washington. But anyway, you know, when Madden passed away a couple of days ago, Madden loved Ruben. He loved RFK. And all of those games in the 80s and 90s when the NFC East was at its height and Washington was winning Super Bowls and, you know, Madden and Summerall called so many of those games and he absolutely adored RFK. And last week was the 25-year, marked 25 years since RFK closed or since they left Washington, uh, left RFK to go to FedEx Field. And I had played a bunch of the Madden clips 
from the game. Uh-huh. It was a game against the Cowboys in the in the season finale at home last game at RFK. It was nuts. And Madden just, you know, went on and on and on about, you know, the stadium and how it shook and the fan base and, you know, and he loved the Hogs and Jacoby and all of them. And, it's yeah. you know, we're often here reminded of those days, and it was another big reminder this week with, with Madden passing away about what it used to be like. It sucks because... You know, the Cowboys came in here a couple of weeks ago and 60% minimum of the crowd were, you know, were Dallas fans, maybe 70%. Yep. And, and it's been that way a lot with Philly uh, fans, especially when you guys have a game that's, that's you know, meaningful, which Sunday is. So, anyway. Uh, you know, it's interesting. My, my, my second year covering the Eagles was 89 and that 42-37 oh, game down there. Keith Jackson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Keith Jackson got the winning touchdown after the – uh, the, the, the long, the Gerald Riggs, I guess it was fumble, but right. you know, I went to high school with Art Monk, you know, we went to White Plains high school together. We were on the track team together at White Plains high. Oh, so, wow. um, you know, those teams always kind of resonated with me just cause I always followed Art's career so closely. He ended up finishing with the Eagles actually a few years later, but, uh, yeah, I, I did a ranking of all, all 55 NFL stadiums I've been to. I've covered games in and, you know, the top 10, like most of them were new stadiums, beautiful new palaces. And right in the middle, like number six was RFK. So it's, it's got a special place in my heart. Well, I don't think, I mean, I've said this many times before. I don't think, you know, when RFK was around and, and look, a lot of it has to do with the fact that the team was great for a long period of time too. You know, if the team had been great for the last 25 years, FedEx wouldn't be, I mean, FedEx was always, it was built basically in a day by Jack Kent Cooke. He wanted to see it before he passed away, which he never did actually. Um, But, uh, but RFK in in that stretch, seventies, eighties, nineties, it was probably as raucous, as intimidating, as good of a home field advantage as there was in the league. I mean, I, you'd be hard pressed to, to to name one that was better. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, it was a fun place to go, and the vet was great too. I mean, you had you had to lay low if you were an opposing fan, which I did a couple of times, <laughs> but it was awesome. Uh, but your place, your new place is, is, is good too. I mean, it's much different than, uh, than what we've had down here for, for a long and time. And it's 19 years old, which is crazy to think about. Oh so, my God. Is it really 19? Uh, it, it seems, it seems new, uh, but it is, it is, it's definitely a, a beautiful stadium, but um, it's funny when, when the vet was 19 years old, it was 89 and it was already falling apart. So uh, it's, it's I think the, the vet always seemed like it was falling apart. It had the worst turf, you know, in the yeah. in the feet, uh, but it was such a great environment. And the, you know, I hate uh, people sometimes. Uh, I'll tell you a quick yeah. story, yeah. Kevin. When I was doing a book called "The Fifty Greatest Plays in Eagles History," and I had a long talk with Troy Aikman about some of his memories, some of the memorable plays he was involved in, and um, he said he said about the vet, he said, you know, you could you could be on your way over to the vet on the bus and it would be this beautiful warm sunny day and you would walk into that stadium and it was dark and the clouds were out and it was gloomy (laughs) (laughs) there was something foreboding about walking into that place it was he he put it beautifully so uh yeah it was and those are the days you know texas stadium and we'd go to sun devil every year and 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 rfk and the vet and the nfc east definitely had a lot of personality well i i've um Whenever we do the, you know, whenever there's a meaningful game between the Skins and the Eagles, you know, you you spend, you know, at least a moment thinking about it. And I was talking to Merrill about this a couple of weeks ago because I had him on the radio show. The greatest for me, the greatest revenge game for um, in Skins history is the playoff game in 1990, Buddy Ryan's last game at the Vet, and that followed. Yeah. That was two months following the body bag game because that right. body bag game, you know, Brian Mitchell ended up quarterbacking at the end of that game and they were yep. carrying one player off uh, after another. Buddy Ryan basically was laughing and mocking Gibbs and Gibbs to this day will tell you that the lead up to that playoff game, he was telling people in private that he wanted that one more than almost any game he had coached. He couldn't stand Buddy Ryan. He couldn't stand the way he behaved, the way that that that, that, that you guys kicked the shit out of him on that th- on that uh, Monday night game. And 
I, I that Gibbs was at his best, you know, when when he was really motivated, and it was a one-sided beat down the other way in that playoff game. Although there was a very controversial call early in the game. Do you remember what it was? I think it was a spot, right? It, no, it was a, a it, it was a, fumb- a fourth down spot. It was a fumble by by um, by Ernest Biner that got picked up and run back for a touchdown. I think I I, I want to say that it was Ben Smith or maybe it was Wes Hopkins. No, you're right. It was it was Ben Smith. Okay, it, it, yeah, ben, you're right. And he returned it for an early seven nothing lead, but that was the first year of replay, and they ruled Biner down. And Washington yeah. kept the ball, and they ended up, I think, scoring, uh, you know, a touchdown in that drive um, to take the lead or something like that. Or oh, that was that yeah. was on brand for for Buddy. I mean, zero and three in the playoffs, and uh, scored one offensive touchdown, one touchdown in those three games. Got you know, so they were all that was. I mean. Uh, the bluster, the regular season bluster, was usually gone by by January when we're talking the Buddy Ryan Eagles. I, yeah, that's uh, but, uh, it's uh, interesting that yeah, but of all that game I mean, it means so much to Joe. It meant a lot to him. It meant like for for me, life you know, born and raised Washingtonian, lifelong fan, the whole thing. There were a lot of games against the Cowboys that felt like big-time revenge games. Like, they lost before they beat them in the championship game in 83. They lost in the regular season. But for whatever reason, that game at the Vet that day was so satisfying to, to, yeah, well, to go in and win that game. Um, they buddy, lost the buddy next can week, get but... under your skin. No <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, enough of the nostalgia. Uh, what's your pick yeah. Sunday? Who do you have? I think Washington wins the game. Actually, I I, I think the Eagles' uh, running back situation, uh, Jalen Hurts' ankle situation. Um, I, I just don't have a lot of faith in this team. Um, you know, I, I think Heineke's been serviceable when when he's played, and uh, you know, Eagles haven't played a a functional quarterback. I mean, they've they've you know run up this streak against. Some third stringers and emergency guys, and like you know, Gail, not Gail Gilbert, it's his son, but um, Gary, Gary, one yeah. of the Gilberts. Yeah, I covered Gail Gilbert. Gosh, but um, you know, they, you know, you know, some of these guys don't even, you know, they're practice squad guys. So um, it's going to be a little different, and and I'm just not sure this team is ready for, you know, for for this this sort of game being, you know, not a hundred percent. So. Um, I think Washington wins the game, and um, I have so much respect for Ron Rivera. Um, you know, getting to know him when he was here, and and the way he goes about his business, and um, what a motivator he is, and and just everything he's overcome that he's dealt with with so much class. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I think Washington wins the game. Uh, I think it's close, but uh, I'll give Washington, you know, like a like a 23 to 17. Uh, Sunday afternoon. All right, so you got uh, you got me picking Washington. You've got the Philadelphia guy picking Washington. Um, we should all go put all of our money on the Eagles Sunday lane. No question about it. But I, but, but, but the, the only reason I like Washington, to be honest with you, is it just seems the whole world's picking Philadelphia to win this game. Um, anyway, uh, Ruben, thank you so much at R O O B N B C S on Twitter. Ruben's been covering yeah. Philadelphia sports and the Eagles forever. Good to catch up. Thanks a lot. Happy New Year. Enjoy the game Sunday. Talk to you soon. Ruben Frank, everybody, from NBC Sports Philadelphia. All right, up next, smell test, and I'll make a couple of picks on the two college football playoff games right after these words from a few of our sponsors. Kevin looks where the John Q. public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. The smell test is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.com or MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code KevinDC, and they'll match your initial deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. If you're sitting there like, hey, there's so much football on, uh, I want to bet this weekend, or you're already betting but you're looking for another site, take their free money. They're going to give you doubling of your money all the way up to $1,000 to gamble with. So if you deposit $1,000, you will have 2000 in your account 
uh, to gamble with this weekend and beyond. Uh, if you're going to deposit 100 bucks, you'll end up with 200 bucks to gamble with this weekend and beyond. You have to use my promo code, KevinDC. If there's something already written in the promo code, erase it, write KevinDC at mybookie.com and mybookie.ag. All right, uh, the smell test last week was 3-2. and two. That gets me back to 500 on the year. Um, and actually, earlier this week, I gave out Maryland and Iowa State. So that went one and one. So I'm exactly 77, 77, and four on the season. I think that's it. Uh, 77, 77, and four on the season. This is really getting hard in terms of handicapping games where you're not sure what the COVID situations are, college and pro. College, you got opt-outs too. A lot of changing uh, situations in the college games. I'm going to give you one college game and that's it. I'm going to give you Utah. I told you before bowl season, I loved Maryland and I loved Utah. I like Utah in the Rose Bowl. The line's down to four, but I like Utah plus the four against the Buckeyes in tomorrow's Rose Bowl. I'll give you picks on the two semifinal games here uh, momentarily. Neither one of them is a smell test pick, although both of them were close. I was close to giving out Georgia and Cincinnati, but the only college game so far and I would urge you to follow me on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC because I may update these things. But I'll take Ohio State. Uh, I'll take Utah. Excuse me, Utah plus four in the Rose Bowl. All right, let's go to Sunday. So the biggest public side of the weekend um, or of the NFL uh, weekend is Philadelphia. The public is hammering the Eagles. Now, they're also hammering the Rams against the Ravens, but the Ravens' quarterback situation is still in flux. I like the Ravens a little bit on Sunday, but I'm not giving them out. But right now, actually, the most public money or the the largest number of public wagers uh, on the NFL Sunday slate is on the Rams. Second is Washington. That that Ravens game, I'm not going to give it out now without knowing what the quarterback situation is. Washington is plus three against the Eagles. The public's all over Philadelphia. Washington coming off the 56-14 loss. Philadelphia coming off a 34-10 win. It is the prototypical, you know, textbook smell test contrarian handicapping pick. The world's on Philadelphia. Washington doesn't seem to have nearly as much to play for, although they do. But the perception is Philadelphia is currently in that playoff spot. They can lock it down. They can actually clinch a playoff spot with a win over Washington and a Green Bay win over Minnesota on Sunday night. I like Washington plus the three. Uh, I also like the Miami Dolphins. The public's on Tennessee. Now, Tennessee is still alive for a one seed in the AFC. If they were to win their final two and KC loses, Kansas City loses one of their final two, they play the Bengals Sunday on the road and the Broncos on the road to finish up. Tennessee's the number one seed because Tennessee destroyed Kansas City earlier in the year. Head-to-head, 27-3 they won in Nashville. Miami's won seven in a row. They're getting three and a half. The public thinks Tennessee off the long mini-buy after beating San Francisco on December 23rd is the right side here. The Dolphins are nasty defensively. I like Miami plus the three and a half. There's been some sharp money here too in the last two days on Miami. That line may come down to three uh, at kickoff. Uh, the Broncos, I'm giving them out again. I know uh, I've done that a lot. I've won a couple of times with them, lost a couple of times with them. They're catching six and a half against the Chargers and a must win for both teams. I think most people think the Chargers are the better team and they're laying less than a touchdown by the half point. Take the Broncos at plus seven. The public's on Dallas this week, laying six now to Arizona. I'll take the Cardinals plus the six. Uh, And then in the Sunday nighter, the Packers in a game that will be played in frigid temperatures, game time temperature at kickoff, four degrees is the expected temperature. Green Bay's laying less than a touchdown. They're going for the number one seed. 
You know, if they finish in a tie with Dallas, Dallas wins the tiebreaker with Green Bay, and they would have the one seed, the first round bye, and home field throughout. Green Bay needs to win this game, and yet they're laying less than a touchdown against the Vikings, who also have to have it to remain alive in, uh, in their pursuit of a playoff berth. Buy it to seven, take the Vikings plus the seven. On the Vikings this year, I'm either six and one or seven and one on bets involving games uh, with Minnesota, whether it's betting against them or betting on them. I've been very good at deciphering the right side in Minnesota games, as I have been, by the way, in Washington games in years past. Uh, The smell test, Utah plus four in the Rose Bowl, Skins plus three Sunday, Dolphins plus three and a half, Cardinals plus six, Broncos plus seven, and the Vikings plus seven. Follow me on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC, and I will update that before the kickoffs of the games today, tomorrow, and Sunday if there is an update to provide. Uh, I'm looking forward to the college football playoff games this afternoon. Um, I I think Cincinnati plus the 13 and a half, buying it to 14, I just have a feeling that's the right side. I think Cincinnati's really well coached. I think they're very good on defense. Bama, I don't think this is Bama's best team. I don't think it's better than the team last year, the teams before it. Uh, they were awfully impressive, you know, backed into, into a corner, underdog for the first time in forever, and they destroyed Georgia um, in, that, in that SEC title game. And that's scary. If you get that Bama team, that is scary. Remember, they lost Mechie. Um, Jameson Williams is something else as a receiver. But I don't know. I kind of like Cincinnati to keep this close. I like Bama today to win the game, uh, but 30-20. to 20. So I like Cincinnati plus the points. I think they'll hang in there. They've got a very good defense, and they're very well coached. The nightcap, Michigan is a 7.5-point underdog against Georgia, who had dominated everybody with their defense all year long and then gave up 421 passing yards to Bryce Young. I mean, what a complete and utter shock that was in the SEC title game to see Georgia run over, uh, you know, by by Bama's offense. Bama rolled up 536 yards of offense in that game. They were, uh, you know, like eight of 14, I think, on third down. They scored 41 points. Georgia can't keep pace with that. Michigan's not Bama offensively. Michigan's very good defensively. And I just don't like Stetson Bennett as a quarterback. Uh, I think the key to this game will be, can Michigan turn Bennett over? If they can and they can get some short fields, I think Michigan wins the game. If they don't get the turnovers, then I think they lose a close, low-scoring game. Uh, I'm tempted, you know, I was tempted to give out Georgia just because the public's on Michigan, um, but I'm not doing it. Um, I, the, 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 the sharp actions very split on this game. Wouldn't surprise me if this game comes down to seven before kickoff. Um, I think Michigan defensively is so good with Hutch, Hutchinson and, and Ojabo and their pass rush, but Georgia is so great defensively too. This is a really intriguing matchup. I'm going to pick an upset here. I'm going to pick Michigan to upset Georgia uh, in a game that ends up being a little bit higher scoring than maybe most think. Michigan wins it 26 to 21 over Georgia in the second semifinal. Um, I'm not going to bet either game, but those are my guesses. All right. Alabama 30 to 20, Michigan 26 to 21. Uh, Washington 27, Philadelphia 24. We'll see how that one works out. It'd be nice to be back here on Monday talking about, hey, if they can beat the Giants and Atlanta can beat New Orleans and Dallas can beat Philadelphia, they're going to the postseason. Um, I don't think they're going to go to the postseason. I think Philadelphia is going to win one of these final two games. I think if they lose Sunday, they'll, they'll beat Dallas. But um, I think Washington's got a really good chance on Sunday. All right, that's it. Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, Be safe. I'll be back on Monday.